Good evening, everyone. Hey there, it's Carissa and Melissa. And tonight we're going to be talking about two serial killers um, that are both from Michigan. from Michigan. Now, one of these serial killers, we did go out to lo- the location. Yep. Um, not exactly. And we're not sure if we went to the right cemetery. But that cemetery was creepy. Yes, it was. And the experience we had, I would say that was probably the most dreadful place because... We didn't realize that until we got there and you started reading everything. It kind of like made me really sad. Yeah. And it was really disturbing. But we're going to have Carissa do this one. She is really into the crime. <laughs> so the first one we're going to talk about is Leslie Allen Williams. And um, he actually is still alive today. And he's serving a life sentence without parole uh, for killing four young girls and attempted rape. Oh, can I add a little fun fact? Though? Absolutely. So someone got a hold of us on TikTok, and it is a girl. She is best. She was best friends with one of the victim's little sisters. She actually said that she would meet with us and show us the cemetery and tell us a bunch of other facts. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. I just wanted to add that. I thought that was really cool that someone reached out on our TikTok. Yeah, that's why that we was TikTok really videos. cool. That's kind of how this podcast started, is that we were doing TikToks, so we were like, well, come on, let's start a podcast. Yeah, might as well. Movie, we love to talk. <laughs> no, not us. Not us. Not us. Our poor husbands. Not That's the, all I gotta not say. Not the girls that got on report cards talks too much. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not husband. at all. <laughs> okay. Um... So, I guess to begin, he started out his early years in life um, with crime. It started off with things like breaking and entering and then, like, progressed to more serious things as the years went on. Um, He uh, actually was sent to prison for 20 years um, for uh, assaulting a woman, but only ended up serving eight. So, then, once he got out on parole is when he actually did his first killing. And... Because of the way that this all happened, Michigan um, actually changed their guidelines and how they proceed um, with parole because of this guy. Yeah. And I want to ask you this, too. Yeah. Since you were in courtrooms. Yes, I did grand jury duty for almost a year and a half, two years. Yeah, so she's definitely in tune with this and how the system works. Would you say that the system failed him? Yes. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and the sad part is, is like the victims he killed, they were 18, 16, 15, 14. I mean, these girls still had a lot of life to live. Yeah, that's terrible. And it was just taken so tragically from them. So saying this... Are you going to go into details of what he did um, with those girls, the ones that we went and invested? So, yeah, we went um, to the road where he had committed um, some of his crimes. He would um, rape them, kill them, and then he was into necrophilia, so he would have sex with the dead corpse. And then he would, he would dig it, them back up. Yeah, he would bury them in shallow graves on... Um, East Buno Road and Child Lake Road. And um, he said he would also talk to the tombstones, too. Yeah. And visit. Yeah. Can you imagine? And he did this for months. 
God, fuck that. Unburying the dead, having sex with the corpse, and reburying them is just... It's disgusting, but as she goes on with his story, and there is actually another podcast out about Leslie Williams and the girl that did it. I don't recall the podcast. I don't, but she did a a really good job. She was very thorough into, like, the facts. Where we're just kind of skimming them over so we can also talk about our experiences there as well. But you you kind of get this feeling, I hate to say this, on here. Mm. Yeah, how lonely he was. Yeah. I mean, it's not sympathy for what happened to these poor girls, but... Him redigging them up is kind of like a dauber, in a way. I mean, something psychologically is not right with any of them, right. but, it, but his they're lonely. Like, yeah, Dabber was really lonely. Mm-hmm. This guy's really lonely. His mom left. Yeah. Then his mom ended up dying. The dad left. Yep. The mom was a prostitute. I mean, all all the mixings for a perfect storm. You know. Yep. So I guess you know we could talk about what happened there um because we decided once we read up on this leslie allen williams we really felt connected to the story and to that road we just wanted to communicate with those girls yeah and we did yeah yep and since we didn't know exactly where the bodies were buried we just kind of started driving around and getting a feel for it I mean, what did you feel when we were on that road? <clears throat> well, we started off on the road, and we found, like, um, state land almost, or, like, a dumping ground, maybe, right? Yeah, and then that we, empty field, too. Yeah, that field. When we got there, we were like, oh, chills. Yeah. It was... Just that whole, like, atmosphere changed so quickly. And we got sad. Like, we were, like, really, really sad. Yep. It was just disturbing sitting there. It really was. to be that young and not to have a chance. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, absolutely no houses that are close enough to each other to be able to go ask for help or scream and somebody notice. And country houses, it's out, like, Milford, right? Yes, Milford. Okay. Yep. Oh, and remember, because it was freezing cold when we went. So we were sitting in Melissa's car, and we were warming ourselves up and mentally preparing to go out in the cold. Yeah, it was cold. So we did roll down the windows with the heat on. I got out. Well, but remember when we were inside, and we had the windows down just to listen, then out of nowhere, that woman's scream came from the side of my vehicle. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the scream was so loud, like, it was, like, right next to us. And that happens a lot to us. Yeah. It's always a woman. And it scared me enough that I rolled up the window and locked the doors thinking it was somebody, not a spirit. But there's nobody around us. And I got out. Yeah. What did I get out for? Oh, to get a picture of the road. Yep. The, the street signs, because we're big on having pictures of street signs. Yes. And what did you hear? <sighs> I disembodied voice. It was probably right, it felt right up next to my left cheek. And she said, it's cold. Like, real fast. And I was like, ah! And then I screamed. <laughs> we even made a TikTok about it. And I'm like, I yes. never screamed like a little girl. And I mean, I probably sounded like I was 14 just screaming. Yeah. It scared the shit out of me. Because it just, it was like so quick and it was right. boom, right up in my ear and I was like. Well, and we had just heard the scream yeah, too. Yeah, yep. So. Y- Didn't we hear whistling that night too? 
We did, but I mean that scream was so. I wish we would have gotten that but shit on. To us at the other cemetery too. That scream, it was piercing. Mm-hmm. It was like, how the hell did no one else hear that? Yeah, because I'd be waking up in the middle of the night, waking up Paul, like get out, something's wrong. Right, somebody died Somebody's or is dying. dying. Yeah, or died. Yeah, I mean, of course I'd wake Paul up. <laughs> I ain't going out there by myself. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a deep sleeper, so chances are I wouldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, the war, war could be going on. Right, and I'm out for the world. Yeah. But, oh, God. That was scary. Yeah, it was. It was just that girl's voice. It's cold. Like, it was just like. It startled you. It, like, I could feel the vibrations from her voice in my eardrum. Yeah. Like, shit. I went back <laughs> in the truck, and I'm like, all right. Let's take a break. Let's take a breather. And um, when I was in, like looking up the history and everything, it says legend goes, if you ever go to Buno Road in Milford, um, if you flash your headlights, the girls will scream, which we definitely heard screaming. Well, we didn't flash your headlights. No, we didn't. But that's what l- legends. Legend yeah. Okay. And um, it says that you would see like shadow figures in the field and feeling just like you're being watched. And I think we were definitely being watched. Do you feel like it was by them, though? Yes, I do. Do you almost feel like where something like where tragic things happen, there's almost like a gatekeeper in a way? Yeah. Maybe. Possibly. Huh. Maybe that's why we get that feeling a lot. Possibly. And then I'm going to let Carissa go on, and she's got... So, my next one is... So, it's 10 minutes, so... Okay. So, the next one is going to be Eileen um, Carol Warnos. And so, many people know her. Um, It's no hidden fact. She's America's first female serial killer. Um, And she was actually born in Rochester, Michigan. Um to unfortunately not such great parents. Her father was a convicted child molester and her mother abandoned her. She and her brother then moved in with her grandparents where her grandfather would regularly beat her and grandma was an alcoholic. Um, At 14, she had her only child, a son, who was given up for adoption, uh, was kicked out of the house and dropped out of school. And the worst part is the father of the child is... Uh, assumed to be her grandpa's friend. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting and nobody probably really knows, but her child nickname was Cigarette Pig. Oh, you told me that. Yeah, <laughs> me, no. No, me either. So it was actually kind of fun to kind of look into her history a bit more than just uh, the facts, but... Um, She eventually made her way to Florida, where she worked as a prostitute. Um, She murdered seven men. I thought it was more than that. Well, I know know one of the men that she beat, she was never convicted of that crime. Oh. Or killed, I'm sorry, yeah. Um... And all the men that she killed were middle-aged and middle-class men. They were all shot multiple times in, like, the chest, the stomach, and the head, except for one whose body was never recovered, which is why... (laughs) The alligators probably got him, right? Probably. Oh, God. 
Um, she claimed it was self-defense, um, but these men had multiple gunshot wounds, not just a single shot. So I don't really see how that would work so well for her. Self-defense against eight men. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was victimized. I mean, she was taking it. Oh, she had a horrible childhood. She had a horrible childhood. But unfortunately, the system, here's the thing. You kill someone, they're not there to defend themselves yes. in court. So that's kind of how our system works. So, yeah, I mean, and then she was, she had a death sentence, right? Yeah, she died from lethal injection in the state of Florida um, on October 9, 2002. And I do want to retract my statement. It was, she was convicted of six counts of murder, but the one body was never recovered. Um. And the thing is, is like her court hearings were so widely watched. And I mean, think about it. How uncommon is it to have a serial killer that's a female? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, then, you know, the show, um, what was it? God, I used to snapped. <laughs> yeah. Remember? And all these. And it's like, you know, women are pretty vicious. And they're, it's usually personal with women. Yes. I was told in criminal justice in high school that. Women's suicides are usually the worst. They're the messiest. Yeah. And that they're very personal and very dark. I believe it. Yeah. Because we're pretty, we're pretty fucking. We're intense. Yeah, we're We're intense intense beings. (laughs) Yeah, we are. It's just in our nature, right? Yep. And so after she was, uh, died from lethal injection, she was cremated and her childhood friend in Michigan got her ashes and spread them around a tree um, near Rochester, Michigan. Yeah, so figure out. I watched that other documentary of her friend. It was like her friend telling her her story, like Eileen's story. Yeah. I watched it a few years ago. It was really interesting. So you want to hear some interesting facts about her? Oh, wait, really quick. What happened to Eileen's partner? Um, you know, I didn't really look into that too much, but I know her partner is the one who ultimately kind of put that final nail in the coffin. As part of a plea deal, she agreed with the police to get her to get Eileen's confession over the phone. Okay. And so that's how Eileen was ultimately arrested for this. Oh. Yeah. Um, so some interesting facts about her is that in 1991, she was a, an adult and she was adopted by a woman named Arlene Prail. She Eileen, got a, Eileen was adopted at 19- Arlene. No, in 1991, she was already an adult and she got adopted. We're talking about Eileen was adopted by Arlene. Yes. Yep. Wow. <laughs> So another cool fact, um, even though she was a lesbian, she did marry a man at the age of 20, but it was short lived. Um, She beat her husband with his own cane and he had to put a restraining order on her. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Eileen was from Michigan, too. So I thought that was kind of cool to include her. And um, actually, my aunt went to high school with her. Really? Yeah. What'd she say she was like? She was not friends with her. Oh, well. Yeah. Well. So, but a little connection there. So I want to talk about a man named 
um, Lawrence John DeLaSalle. And he's from Michigan, too. He is, he is from Michigan. Uh, last year, when my husband and I were sturgeon fishing out on the water, we pretty much, like, camp out at night when we do that. Mm-hmm. And he likes me to play my iPad, and we watch... Uh, we were watching, like, this murder show on Netflix. And this story just sat with me. Um, so, basically, he was born September 6, 1960, and he was driving a station wagon. I'm trying to go like light with the details. He was spotted going to the same spot every time, circling around. Well, is he doing scoping out? That's well, yes. That's obviously it was premeditated. And this woman up in a high rise, she was, you know, nosy Karen. <laughs> we got to love those. Right. And she kept seeing this guy, you know, going to this dead end, driving away, going to this dead end, driving away. And she told her husband, what the hell is this guy up to? Right. Ironically, her husband said to her one night that she's going to, like jokingly, like, well, one time, you know, or another, you're going to end up seeing a murder. Uh And she laughed it off. Well, not so long after that happened, um, Lawrence drove his station wagon off I know, the edge, hit the water, and him and his wife and his, I think, four children, it says um, he got four counts of first-degree murder after a trial in June 1990. I mean, first he claimed that his leg gave out, he had a cramp in his leg, but here's my thing, though. So he just decided one day to pack his family up in the car and just drive off. I think that they were eating ice And cream. into the water. Yeah, they were like, he was just parked there. So who all passed away? All His wife? All the kids. Only that's, the kids. That's, what I'm that's the too. fucked up part, it's huh? fucked up because as a mother, even if you know that you're gonna die, you fucking are supposed to die for your children. Absolutely. How There's no you, way I could leave Jackson in the car. How up to the fucking top knowing that those, some of those kids were, were in car seats? Mm-mm. Like, you knew that there was no way out for them, and you still swam to the top to survive. Fuck you. Like, you should be burned. I mean, I guess we don't know, because we've never been in that situation. But I know me... I was going to say, me personally, I could never leave my son. I would... Oh, it was Lincoln Park. Okay, so me and Carissa found this location, but we'll get into our experience. So, he was 28 years old at the time of the murders. His wife, Suzanne DeLaSalle, was 32 years old. They had four children, ages nine months to eight years. Oh, Shortly that's horrible. The, murders, the family moved from two-bedroom townhouse in Taylor, Michigan, to a larger house in Lincoln Park. Okay. Prior suicide in the same vehicle. That's what I was telling you the other night. His father shot himself. So, Lawrence's father that's right. shot himself in the station wagon before this had happened. And then Ew, what kind of mess cleanup would I that know. be? <laughs> and then he took the car over for the family car. Like, what the fuck? So he so his dad, DLSL's father, it says the night of February 9th, 1988. Oh, year I was born. <laughs> DLSL's father, Richard DLSL, drove his 1977 Ford station wagon to Elizabeth Park. Ooh, we gotta go there. Yeah. In Trenton, Michigan. He then shot himself in the head with a 38 caliber pistol. Lawrence DeLaSalle received received a station wagon as a gift from his stepmother after his father's death. Like, what a what a gift. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, stepmom. 
Lawrence later told his stepmother that he felt a closeness with his father when he was in that car. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm not going to go in, well, I'm going to talk about running. So we went one night and um, right off the water, because I told Chris about the story that it had just sat with me after Paul and I had watched this, you know, like little documentary. Yeah. And of course she was like, well, yeah, let's go. It's sad. Well, we kept picking up on this little girl and she kept saying Melissa. And Chris was like, oh, someone's saying your name. And I'm like, I don't think they're talking about me. What was that little girl? Yeah. Super attached to me for some reason. Well, I think I brought her home. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. Uh, we had, I had a lot of incidents at the house. Nothing scary. I just, you just knew it was like a little trickster kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a lot of situations after that, but now when. We, Is that your first time you've ever brought something home? I think so. Yeah. Like something that I knew that was like definitely there. Gotcha. Now, ironically, we did not know any of the kids' names. And it was probably like a week later, and you looked it up. Yep. And Melissa, but here's like the weird thing, and this is like why the afterlife is so strange. When you looked it up, Melissa was nine months old, I think. Yes, I believe so. So it's like, well, then she can talk and comprehend in the afterworld, you know? Unless they were saying your name. But, I mean, they were pretty intelligent responses that night. Yeah, there was. So, we've had many crazy things happen in Michigan, unfortunately. Uh, Carissa, there was also a homicide-suicide thing that happened over here in Shelby. Yeah, that was crazy. Have you never heard anything else about nope, it? Nope, nothing. We went by the house. We zoomed in from a news article, <laughs> and I was driving that night, and Chris was like, all right, I'm going to... Because Carissa grew up in Shelby, so she knows. And she knew from the fence... Where the house was. And I was like, damn, you are good. Because <laughs> it was the winter time. Again, it was like this time last year, wasn't it? Yep. But I grew up right across the street in that neighborhood. Okay. So. And, and they never talked about. Mm-mm. I actually just tried looking it up a few weeks ago to see. Yeah. Um, Because I thought it'd be a good conversation piece for the podcast. Yeah. And I still can't find anything else oh, remember out. Remember the night we were scoping it out, that one neighbor came out? It was yeah. Scary being there because I think someone was living there. Yeah. The neighbor came out and he was kind of pissed, so we had, to, we had to take off real quick. Yeah. But I would love to do a podcast on, like, the Oakland County child killer. Oh, like, yeah. Yep. You're, that's... So we'll definitely have more podcasts like this. So what do you think? Let us know if we should do more and give us, you know, people that you would like to hear about or crimes that happened or paranormal. We want it all. Yeah, we anything, anything unusual, strange. And like I said, it never has to just be paranormal or scary. No, not at all. You know, we like to goof off, too, and have fun. <laughs> yes. We like to stay well-rounded. Yes, we do. So. All right, well, thanks for chatting, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night.